0: Well, good morning, church. Was worship not amazing this morning? Yes, it was awesome. Thank you, worship team. That was great. You know, Sundays for a long time uh, used to be my least favorite part of the day or the week, but now Sundays are my favorite again, and I love that. I get so excited about Sunday mornings and being with you guys here at worship at uh, Warehouse Church. And uh, so I'm super glad that you're here today. So before we go any further this morning, uh, I want everyone to grab one of those Easter invite cards that are on the chair next to you or on your chair. Everybody just grab one and put it up in the air so I can see it. So everybody's got one. Good, good, good. And uh, so what I want you to do with these is I want you to go ahead and take this home with you. Uh, and I want you to uh, take the one next to you home with you as well if there's an extra one. Uh, or take one or take the whole row with you. And, uh, and I want you to invite some folks to Easter um, this week. And so uh, you're not going to use these as a bookmark. Uh, you're not going to stick them in your Bible and use them as a bookmark. You're not going to put them in your purse and then find them next year about this time. You're not going to fold them up and put them in your pocket so that when you're doing laundry you find them and go, Oh my goodness. But you're going to take them and you're going to use them because we want you to use this as a tool to invite some folks to come and be with you and join you on Easter. And here's my challenge for you. Don't just hand it to somebody and say, hey, I'd love for you to come to Easter with me. Um, But I want you to say, hey, I would love for you to join me on Easter Sunday and I will pick you up. And you can come and I will bring you to church with me. Now, if they live in some far, far, far away holler, I was telling the, the, um, the ministry team, then tell them to meet you like at the double quick and then you'll bring them from there to here. But I want you to invite someone to Easter Sunday. And why? Because Easter Sunday is one of two Sundays of the year that most people that will normally not come to church, that they'll say, you know what? I'll come to church with you. And here's my promise to you and my commitment to you is that on Easter Sunday morning, the gospel will be shared. And that people will know that there's a God that loves them when they leave here on Easter Sunday, and they will have an opportunity and a chance to respond to the gospel. So your job is to get people here by inviting them. And my commitment to you is that I will share the gospel. Worship will be amazing, and people will be like, "Man, this is an amazing place." And Sundays will not only be my favorite day of the week, but it will also become theirs. So will you commit to that? Will you invite someone? Alright, so uh, take two or three. Don't just take one, take two or three and and get the word out that Easter's coming and that they are welcome here at uh, at Warehouse Church. And uh, so today we are on week four of our five-week series or conversation called Hashtag Struggles. And we have been talking about how do we follow Jesus, right? How do we follow Jesus in this selfie-centered world? And, and I've become a little more aware since we've been having this conversation about my surroundings and about people and on their phones and how people interact on their phones. And so, no lie, Jackson and I were having lunch this week in Paintsville. I'm not going to tell you where. We were having lunch in Paintsville, and, uh, and we watched this lady... And she spent at least five minutes trying to get the perfect selfie in her booth while ordering her lunch. Like she's trying to take a selfie and order her lunch and maneuver the waitress and take her selfie. And she must have had that phone in every position she possibly could find to take a picture. And it was so amazing to watch. Like I I was like, I, I know I was staring. I was staring and I was watching. I was like, do you see that? Like, she is just trying so hard, and she would take one, and she'd look at it, and she'd go, no. She'd take another one, and look at it, and I'm literally, five minutes she spent taking a selfie. And I thought, this is so awesome. Like, I can't wait to share this with y- y'all on Sunday morning. And, uh, and then um, yesterday, uh, my family and I, we went, or, or Friday, we went over to um, Natural Bridge, and we went and did the trail and the hikes, and my body is hurting today, just want you to know, uh, but we, we hiked up, and we did everything up there and top, and look, we did it all, and came back, and, and, uh, and there was this guy, though, in a restaurant, because we had lunch there, and, uh, and there he is, and he's at the counter ordering, and he's taking a selfie again, I'm like, what is going on? Like, I can't, I'm just more aware of it now, right? And he's sitting there right in front of the counter, make, ordering his food, and he's, uh, he's doing this again, and he's taking a selfie. And, uh, and he looks at it, and he smiles, and you could tell he was like hitting the filter buttons, and he's getting ready to tech, uh, post it, and it was so amazing. And uh, so, so today we're going to continue the conversation, and before we jump into today's conversation, let me tell you about next week. And, uh, and I just want to keep you kind of little teasers out there. And, and so we're wrapping up the series next week, and, and, and we're going to talk about how do we discover rest and solitude. And I think this is so important for us. Uh, those two words, rest and solitude, because we live in a culture that's fast-paced, and we live in a culture where we're always going, 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 and we don't know how to rest anymore. And, and the studies are shocking that when we, when we see just how addicted we are to technology, and I don't know if you realize it or not, but we are living in a culture that is addicted to technology. And I believe next week's conversation will be extremely helpful for all of us. So I hope that you'll come and you'll join us for that. But today, I want to talk about compassion. Everybody say compassion. compassion. All right, I'm just making sure you're awake. And because uh, I can't see you, so I can't see if you're sleeping. Chuck, are you awake? All right, you're awake. All right, so, uh, so how does social media and technology propel a spirit of compassion? And, and how might it also hinder our compassion? So I wanna just look at that real quick today. And there are, there are a ton of ways that social media helps us make a difference, right? Uh, helps us make a difference in the world because we can raise awareness for different ministries that we're passionate about, different causes that we're all about, and all sorts of different things. I mean, now you can even raise money for your favorite cause on your birthday on Facebook, right? And so you can say, you can set your limit. You can say, hey, I'm trying to raise $500. You can set where you want to do it and where you want the money to go to. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. And so we're raising, and, and, and social media is doing a lot of cool things for raising money and raising awareness for support. And, and there are things that nobody was talking about before. That now people are talking about, that everybody's talking about now because of social media. And so, remember—I don't know if you remember a few years ago, but the uh, the ALS ice bucket challenge. Anyone remember that? Um, so, like, like everybody was doing it for three or four weeks. I mean, that's all you saw on Facebook was everybody was getting dumped water dumped on their head, and they were all doing it to raise money for ALS. And before that, nobody was really talking about Lou Gehrig's disease, and but a lot of money was raised, and a ton of people started talking about it because of this one little thing this simple act of dumping water over your head and then in in a kind of a uh, in in the same way that it kind of rushed in it just kind of left just as quickly as it came and this is just one example of so many uh, out there so many um, uh, examples of people raising awareness and using facebook as a platform to do that and so there's a ton of benefits right to social media and and a ton of benefits of things that it can provide but today Today, I want to show you that there are also some downsides, right? There's some downsides. I mean, it's hashtag struggles, so we want to talk about some struggles, and there's some downsides as well when it comes to creating a value or the value of compassion. And, in fact, uh, the University of Michigan they did this really huge study uh, on 14,000 college students and they did it between the years of 1979 and 2009. So they did this study over many years and and they were looking at the effects uh, or or the the way students dealt with compassion. And and what they found was that there was this drastic decline in empathy. In fact, the study showed that we care about 40% less about other people than we did in the 1980s. That in the 1980s, we were, we were pretty compassionate people, but now, uh, since 2009, our, our empathy level has dropped about 40%. And, and that's really tragic. To think that many of us are not even, like, you're not bothered by that. Like, I said 40%, and you're like, okay. And, and But we've dropped 40% in the way that we care about other people. And some of us are like, man, I just hope pastor's, like, not going to talk long. Like, I got breakfast plans. Uh, I, I'm really hungry. I can't wait to go and have some breakfast at wherever you go eat breakfast. And and so, but researchers did this study, and they discovered this level of compassion has dropped significantly. And so how did, how did researchers come up with that number? Well, they would ask these group of students, and, and over the years, they asked students to rank their responses to statements, with one being like uh, from one to five, with one being the least, and five being the highest. And they would ask questions like, um, I sometimes try to understand my friends better by looking from their perspective. And, and there was a drastic drop and the amount of students that did that from the 80s to the 90s. Or or I often tender feelings about people less fortunate than me. Again, a significant drop. Fewer people nowadays call themselves soft-hearted than they did years ago. And others' um, misfortunes, well, that just doesn't bother us as much as it used to. And so a 40% drop in how we care about people. And this raises the question, at least it does to me, is why? Like, why are we caring less now than we used to? And there's a lot of theories out there. Like, there's a lot of arguments, a lot of suggestions. Uh, However, experts all agree on one thing. They all agree on one thing. They believe that there's one common ingredient, and it's this, that the rise in social media causes people to care less. Like, as they've done their research, as they've done their homework, as they've done their studies, they've discovered that the rise in social media has actually caused people to care less. And why? I mean, why would that happen? Why would social media, why would a simple thing like a phone uh, or, or, or a, uh, some, a Facebook or an Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, why would that cause us to care less about people? I mean, Let me show you three possible ways this morning that I think that maybe social media could cause us to care less. The number one, and this is going to be the hardest for you probably to swallow, is this, that we have to admit that we're obsessed with ourselves now more than ever. Like we're obsessed with ourselves. Take the lady at the restaurant in Paintsville. I mean, five minutes to get the perfect shot of her sitting in a booth at a restaurant or the guy at the other restaurant that's sitting there waiting to take his order and, he, and he's doing the same thing, he, he was a little quicker. I think guys are a little quicker with the selfies. They don't have to have the hair. He, I don't think he had hair, so he didn't have to worry about his hair and he didn't have to worry about those things. But, but here's the deal. We, are, we have to admit that we're obsessed with ourselves now more than ever. The selfie has become a part of our vocabulary and it's just normal. Like the lady at the restaurant taking a selfie, that's normal. I mean, actually, I don't think it is normal, but it's normal. Uh, to, to turning a camera on yourself, um, I still struggle with that. Like, I don't take a whole lot of selfies. Uh, I'll take family pictures like we did of the natural bridge. We took a, a family selfie, but you'll rarely see me take a picture of myself and post it because I just, I think it's weird. And did you know that there are so many different types of selfies out there? I mean, I just want, let me just educate you on some of the selfies that are out there. There's driving in my car selfie, right? There's uh, there's the ever popular duck face selfie, which some of you are really good at. Uh, rest of you, maybe we shouldn't do it. There's me and my bestie selfie. There's kissing somewhere cool selfie. There's me with my cute pet selfie. There's hey we got great seats and you don't selfie. There's uh, the silly selfie. There's me and my food selfie. And and that's just the beginning. I mean we don't we didn't even get into it. I just woke up selfie or I'm at the gym selfie. But you got to admit that we are way more obsessed with ourselves than we used to be. And studies show that 80% of what a person does on social media relates directly to them. Like, in other words, I'm going on social media, and if I'm going on social media, I'm going to see what I'm interested in. I'm going to see what people are saying about me. I'm going to see uh, if you liked my picture. I'm going to see if you commented on it. I'm going to see if you uh, put the heart on it. It's me, 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 me. And 80% of people that go on social media, it's all about them. And when we see something related to us, here's what happens. And we talked about this a few weeks ago that our brain releases that chemical, right? It releases the chemical called dopamine. And we get this legal buzz. It's a legal buzz. It's not illegal. We get this legal buzz that keeps us coming back for more. Like you wanna know why you're checking your Facebook all the time? Because you want that buzz. You don't know it's a buzz, but it's a buzz. It's called dopamine and it's being released in your body. And therefore, since when we're looking at stuff dealing with us, the dopamine is being released and our bodies are actually training us to be more self-centered. Think about that, that makes sense. And social media can cause us to care less about other people because our bodies are literally transforming us to become more self-centered. Another way that, that, that we're becoming less compassionate is this, an overwhelming exposure To suffering desensitizes us. Like we're seeing all kinds of stuff on social media. And and the more pain we see, the harder it is for us to care. And I'll give you an example. Years ago, uh, when I see that commercial for abused animals, anybody ever seen the commercial that had like abused dogs, they were starving dogs or, or little kittens or whatever. And when I used to see that, it would really disturb me. Like, I'd feel so bad. It, I almost was tempted to get in the car and go and rescue some animal. As a matter of fact, I did once, and I regretted every minute of it. But, um, but, but we feel guilty. We feel guilty about not, or I used to feel guilty about not rescuing a dog. And, and now uh, I've seen so much of that that it, it doesn't bother me as much. Like, it still bothers me. It still disturbs me, but I don't have that urge to get in the car and go rescue an animal. Uh, Because I've seen picture after picture and post after post and and I can see a neglected dog or a neglected cat and it doesn't bother me nearly as much. And I think because I've become desensitized to it. And, And experts say that we see everything on a timeline now. Like we don't see things in living color but we see things on a timeline. One post, one news story, another post, a link. And our brain, actually doesn't know how to differentiate between what's more important than the other. We just see things in, in this level uh, as one thing in that timeline. And so you may be scrolling through your newsfeed, right? And, and you may see a new recipe for chili or guacamole or whatever you like, and, and followed by an, another actor acting a fool at the Oscars. Like you might see six or seven of those right now. Uh, and, and you might see followed by some funny cat video, followed by another innocent reporter getting blown up in some other part of the world. And literally our brain, it can't distinguish between what's more important than the other because we have become... Uh, desensitized because we become this idea of a timeline and we can't rank or we can't put things in the order of most important Uh, because it's all equal, right? It's all equal on the page and it becomes more equal in our minds and therefore, here's what happens. We start to care less and we're overexposed to suffering and it leads to caring less. And then a third way that technology can cause us to care less is this, that a lack of personal interaction A lack of it makes it easier for us not to care. Like from a distance, right? For example, if you lose your job and you put on Facebook, I lost my job and I see it, uh, what am I going to say? I'm probably going to text, I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. I might even say, I'm here for you. And then I might pray if I remember or I might forget. But here's the deal. If I'm sitting directly across from you at a table and, and you tell me that you lost my, your job, and I see that desperate look on your face as you tell me how you just told your daughters they can't be in dance anymore, how you just told me that you have to continue to find ways to pay for your mom who's in a nursing home, as you tell me that you're not gonna be able to make your next house payment, then suddenly here's what happens. I'm deeply moved, a very deep place in my heart, and I care deeply for you. And I care deeply for you in a way that I could not do from a distance or from a screen. And so you see, it's easier to disconnect from a distance. And when we relate so much to others based on what we see through social media, then we end up caring less. So what's the challenge? What's the challenge for us as we think about this idea of how social media is causing us to care less? uh, I think that we need to understand that as followers of Christ, God calls us for so much more. He calls us for so much more because here's the deal. In God's economy, compassion matters. Compassion counts. And what I want to do today is I want to give you two main thoughts that will help us with our compassion. And the first thing is this. We need to understand that true compassion demands action. So you might want to just write that down. We got to understand that true compassion demands action. In fact, the Greek word for compassion is the word splagnes. Uh, I can never say it right. Splagnes niz, It's a really fun word to say. Uh, you learn it, you'll know Greek. Um, nizome," And it, it's, here's what it means. That word means to have the bowels yearn. That's what the Bible dictionary says. To have your bowels yearn. Now, I'm not even sure what that means, right? Like, but it sounds pretty serious to have your bowels yearn. It's like your intestines are doing something inside of you, something significant inside of you. There's an aching on the inside for somebody else. It means this. It means to feel deep sympathy. That's what that word means, to feel deep sympathy. It means to be moved to action. It mean, And this is a big deal because here's what I want you to understand today. I want you to understand that compassion is not just an emotion, but compassion is an action word. A true compassion demands action. And the second thought is this today. To say that you care, but not to act, is to not care at all. Like, let's just be honest. Let's just be real. To say that you care, but not to act, is to not care at all. Like to say, oh yeah, 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 I care. I care, I care so much. I care, I care. But you don't do anything about it. It's pretty much the same as not caring at all. And so here's what happens a lot. And I, I've done this. I'm guilty of this. That when we see something on Instagram or on Facebook, and we're like, oh man, so-and-so, they're going through a really hard time. And then you, what do you do? You like their posts, don't you? Like, I just think it's weird. I don't know about you, but when I'm about to like that post, I'm like, you know, it's kind of weird and awkward to like a post of something that's bad going on in somebody's life. But you like it just to let them know, I see you, I'm thinking about you. But here's the deal. Caring is not clicking. Caring is acting, Right? And so caring is not clicking, it's being involved. It's getting involved to make a difference. Caring is not liking a post, but it's loving a person. Like that one's like, if you're gonna tweet something, I'd I'd tweet that. That caring is not liking a post, but it's loving a person. It's being moved from the depths of your soul to get outside of yourself and to get involved in the life of someone else. It's like we talked about the other day. It's, it's not just saying, oh man, I'm here for you, I'm praying for you, but it's actually picking up the phone and calling them and saying, hey, let's just pray right now. Or better yet, it's getting in your car and driving down the road and showing up at their house and saying, hey, I just want you to know, I'm here, right here, right here in front of you, right here with you, let's pray together. So anytime in the gospels that you see this, this phrase that Jesus was moved with compassion, Anytime you see that phrase, you see an action behind it. You always see an action. Anytime in the Bible, you go look, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, read the Gospels. Anytime you see the phrase, Jesus was moved with compassion, you will see an action. You will see Jesus take to an action because he felt something. He felt that sphagnum meze. He felt it in his gut, right? And because he felt that, he did something about it. And so don't just take my word for it. Let me give you some examples. Mark chapter one, verses 40 and 41 says this. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging him to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And here's verse 41. What does it say? Moved with compassion. Jesus had that gut moving moment. It said, moving with, compa- move with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, be healed. Like Jesus didn't walk by the guy, the guy didn't yell at him, hey, I need healing, you could heal me if you wanted to. And Jesus didn't go on his Facebook and take a picture and like it and move on. He took action, he did something about it. Or Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed they're sick Jesus saw the people he saw their hurts he saw their pain and the Bible says that he had compassion on them and because of that because he had this gut-wrenching desire in his heart and in his guts to do something about it he healed them he healed their sick he had compassion on them he didn't say I'll be praying for y'all he didn't do that he said I hope you do okay he didn't do that. He felt for them, and therefore he was moved to action. And what I picture as Jesus healing, that he didn't just do like a drive-by healing. He didn't just say, you were healed and kept going. But he stopped, and he touched each and every person and said, I am healing you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I heal you. And he stopped, and he did that to each and every person because he had compassion on them. Matthew chapter 20 verse 34 says uh, when some blind guys were crying out to Jesus and, and, and what, did he, what did he do? Uh, he, he says this. Here, read it with me. It's, it's on the screen. He said, Jesus, let's read it out loud. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus had compassion on them. And so true compassion demands action. You see, church, to say you care but not act is to not care at all. And it is tragic, I think it is, that we live in a society that would care 40% less about people now than we used to. And here's the bottom line. And, And I think this is really significant. The bottom line for us is the more I obsess over social media... Did you like my picture? Did you like my picture? Did you like my duck face selfie? Did you like my selfie of me and my food? Did you like, did you like, did you like? The more I obsess over it, the more I care about me and the less I care about other people. But let's flip the coin for a minute and think about this. But the more I obsess about Jesus, want to know him, want to serve him, want to get close to him, here's what happens. The less... I care about me. The more I obsess about Jesus, the less I care about me. Suddenly, I'm denying myself. Suddenly, I'm taking up my cross. Suddenly, I'm choosing to live for him rather than for myself. You see, the closer I get to Jesus, the less I care about myself and the more I care about other people. Did you hear that? the closer I get to Jesus, the less I care about myself and the more I care about other people. So I want you to think about this, church. When is the last time? When's the last time you gave a whole day or even a weekend to serve somebody else? When's the last time you gave up 15 minutes to serve someone else? When is the last time you've gone significantly out of your way to give financially to make a difference in someone else's life? When is the last time you didn't do something you really wanted to do so that you could go and help someone else? Some of you would say, oh, I did that just the other day. I did that on my way to church this morning. I did that yesterday, and that's awesome. Way to go. But so many of us, we can't remember. We can't remember the last time that we did something for someone else. And if that's the case, if that's your story, then you might, well, you might not be as close to Jesus as you think you are. Because when you're really close to Jesus, remember, life's not about us. It's all about glorifying him and it's all about loving others. You see, church, compassion demands action. So what are we going to do about this? Like we say here at Warehouse Church, we say it all the time. We say one of the things that we value is we're going to love differently, right? That we are going to spend our lives loving people differently than the rest of the world. So what does that mean? That means that we're going to be compassionate and that compassion demands an action. So let me give you three quick applications. And then we're going to pray and we're going to let God do what he does in our hearts. And so here's what compassion does. Uh, Number one, compassion interrupts. Everybody say that with me. Compassion interrupts. When you look at Jesus, you're going to see time and time again that he was interrupted. He was interrupted by people's needs. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus and the disciples have been doing ministry all day long, and, and they were exhausted and listen, ministry is exhausting, y'all. It is. It takes effort, it takes time, it takes energy, and it's exhausting. And the disciples and Jesus spent all day doing ministry and they're tired. In fact, the gospel says that they haven't even they ha- they were so busy doing ministry, they hadn't been able to stop and eat because they were so busy. And so what does Jesus say? He says, Hey, let's take a break and let's get some rest. And he was and he was spent. And Jesus, even Jesus, needed some alone time. And then suddenly, as they're getting ready to rest, a big crowd comes up. And scripture says that Jesus was moved with compassion. So you know, if it says Jesus was moved with compassion, something's coming. And so instead of eating and instead of getting rest, he gets up and he teaches them. Because compassion demands action and because compassion interrupts. And because that's what you do when you're moved with compassion. You do something. You see, Jesus, you act. Jesus Uh, Jesus' me time was interrupted. His alone time was interrupted. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to serve some more. And so here's the deal. When your heart, when you feel that sphagnum mosaic, when you feel that thing going on in your gut, don't just let it like drift by. Don't just say, oh, that must have been something I ate, right? Don't do that. But let compassion lead you to action. And here's what's going to happen. It's not going to happen in the most convenient time. It's not gonna happen when you've got nothing on your schedule for the day. It's gonna happen in that moment when your schedule's already packed and let compassion interrupt your life. Uh, there's a time in Luke 8 when Jesus was on his way to a dying girl, right? Like he's on his way to rescue a dying girl uh, and that's pretty important. I mean, I think that's pretty important. He's on the way to heal her and while he's on his way, another woman comes up and touches the bottom of his robe and you remember that and, and Jesus stops And he finds out which woman had touched his robe. And he finds this woman that had been sick for 12 years with this this sickness. And, and, And he spends time. He stops. He gets interrupted. He's on a mission. He's going to heal a little girl. But he stops. He's on his way to do what God called him to do. But then he stopped to see something else that God wanted him to do on the way. And he healed the woman. And he didn't just like let her be healed and keep walking. He stopped. He was interrupted. He had an interaction with her. He touched her and he went and then he went and he healed the girl. He was moved with compassion and that allowed himself to be interrupted so that he might not just heal the little girl, but he healed two people. And so compassion interrupts. The second thing I want you to do, a practical thing is this, that compassion costs. Compassion costs and we've talked about this before jesus told a compelling story about the good samaritan you remember the story of the good samaritan about the the guy who goes and helps the jewish guy and he goes out of his way he got robbed everything was uh, he was left on the side of the road for dead and and this samaritan shows up and he goes out of his way to help someone that he would have actually uh, who would have actually hated him and he helps him anyway and he, and he bandages the guy up and he picks him up and he puts him on his donkey. And then he goes to the nearest town and he pays the innkeeper two days worth of wages, two days worth of earnings uh, to the hotel owner so that the guy can stay there and get better. And then he even tells the guy, listen, if that's not enough, I'll be back and I'll pay the rest. And, and, and I mean, who would do that? Like who would take two days worth of wages and pay for a complete stranger to be helped. You see, compassion, it costs us something. It costs us time, it costs us energy, it costs us our finances, and there's an emotional cost to it. But too often, you and I, we want the drive-by compassion, right? Like we just wanna throw money at someone, we wanna just drop change in someone's cup, we wanna do what's easy and what's convenient for us. But true compassion generally costs us something. So it costs, it interrupts, but here's the best part. Compassion changes lives. You wanna see transformation happen in the people around you? Start living a compassionate life because compassion changes lives. Everywhere Jesus went, everywhere that Jesus went and he was moved with compassion, he changed lives. Let's tell you a story. I was uh, in my office at a church one day and I was was working. I had a full schedule that week. I don't remember what was going on, but I had tons to do. Like my to-do list was longer than my arm. And, and I, would, I remember being overwhelmed. And I remember my, um, my assistant came in. She goes, hey, uh, Pastor Rick, there's somebody out here that wants to see you. And, uh, and they're insisting on seeing the pastor. Like, they didn't want to see me. They just wanted to see a pastor. And we had a lot of homeless people come in and come by. And, and I was like, man, I don't have time for this today. Like, there's, I just don't have time. But I finally said, just go ahead, let him in. And so he came in, and, and he began to share his story with me, this young man. And he just began, he just goes, I just need someone to talk to. And I'm like, I'm here, I'll listen. So I sat down in a chair, he sat on the couch and he just began to share and his story just began to unfold. And in an hour, an hour and a half, two hours went by, he's just telling his story and he's crying and he doesn't know where to go. He's like, I just need, um, I just need someone to hear my story. Like nobody listens to me, nobody has time for me. And at the end of the conversation, we prayed. He stood up and I stood up I said, hey man, can I give you a hug? He said, oh. He goes, do you know how long it's been since someone hugged me? I said, let me give you a hug. And man, I wrapped my arms around that man that I'd never met. And he wrapped his arms around me and he would not let go. At the beginning of that conversation, all I could think of was all the stuff I had to get done. All I could think of was I don't have time for this. All I could think of was this isn't fitting into my schedule. All I was thinking of was yet another homeless guy. But because compassion entered the picture, not only was his life transformed, but my life was transformed. I was changed that day as that man, that 28-year-old guy looked at me and said, I can't remember the last time someone gave me a hug. And he wouldn't let go. And we must have stood there for 10 minutes just hugging each other. Tears rolling down his face, tears rolling down my face. That's what compassion does, church. It changes lives. And here's the deal, when you get outside of yourself, when you stop thinking so much about your life and your schedule and your agenda and your Facebook posts and how many followers and how many likes and how many hearts, when you start doing that, get out of yourself, God changes lives. And He uses you and He uses me to do it but here's the deal the one life that he changes the most is yours is yours that day will forever be remembered in my life a simple hug changed that man's life he looked at me and said pastor you know today i was going to end my life but now I know I got something to live for. You see, compassion means to ache from the inside for somebody else. And yet in our society, we're caring less and less for people. And let me just say, this is unacceptable. It's unacceptable in any church that says that they love and worship Jesus, it's unacceptable. And therefore, we will care, and we will care because we know that it's not about us, that it's all about Jesus. We're going to love differently because compassion, it interrupts, it costs, but more than anything else, compassion changes lives. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for modeling for us what it means to have compassion on people. God, thank you that in every gospel, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, anytime time that the words you had compassion on someone, God, that you didn't ignore it, that you just didn't do a little drive-by healing. God, that you didn't just say, I hope you feel better. But God, you did something about it. You did something about it. And so, Father, Would you help us to stop focusing so much on our own lives? Lord, and start following your gospel, which says to love you, to keep you at the center of our lives. And out of that love for you, we love others more than ourselves. Father, it's hard. God, it is so hard to not think of ourselves all the time. God, it's so hard not to to be so caught up in our own schedules and our own things that we want to do and our own demands on our lives and think about others. But, Father, I believe with all my heart that if you're at the center, that if we would just keep you at the center of our lives, that it's so much easier to allow the interruptions to happen that it's so much easier to lay down our money and our time and our schedules so that we might love others in the very same way that you loved us. And God, often it's just a hug. It's just a smile. It's stopping and praying with somebody. Father, help us to be more compassionate people for you. Lord, help us not to be like the others that have less compassion for you. Don't let us be like those that have dropped 40%. Father, help us to be the ones that have increased in our compassion. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. Oh, thank you for loving us in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray y'all listen if you're here today and you have never said yes to Jesus let me just say you're missing out you're missing out on an amazing relationship you're missing out on compassion like you've never experienced in your life you see God is a God of love and a God of forgiveness and a God of mercy and a God of grace so if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus let me just encourage you as they sing this song you just say yes You just ask God to come and be the Lord and Savior of your life. Say, God, I want that compassion in my life. And I want to share that compassion with others. Or maybe you're here today and you recognize, you know what? I'm caught up in my own life. Like, I am all about me right now. Maybe it's time to say, right now, today, on April 3rd, I'm going to start thinking of others more than myself. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to be like, Uh, Just uh, like Mother Teresa tomorrow. But if you'll just start today and say, you know what? I'm going to start thinking a little less of myself today. And then tomorrow I'm going to think even a little more less of myself. The day after that and the day after that, you'll see that you'll have more compassion for other people. So you pray as you are called and led.